Hey babes, this is Tandem Orgasms, your go-to podcast on life coaching, owning your divine feminine power, and the far out new age world of spirituality with your hosts, Caitlin Englert and Jen Morgan. Ladies, it's time to step into a new kind of confidence, one where you stop searching for and instead claim the balance you crave. Each week, we will bring you wisdom, personal experiences, and ridiculous banter that will have you laughing while also providing you with useful tools to transform your life from blah to turn on to your climactic inner diva. Okay, welcome to, what are we on, five? And that's the cat. Why does the cat sound like a crying baby? Well, because he's different. (laughs) (laughs) He's unique. He's special. He's a special cat. He is a special cat. I mean, that he sounds... is 18 pounds with a little head and a huge body. He does. He does have a really And he always looks like head. he does crack. <laughs> Where did you get that cat? <laughs> the, uh, the alley. I no, know. I got him at like a rescue place. Oh, okay. Well, that's nice. Yeah. He was probably a crack baby <laughs> cat. Quite possibly. <laughs> okay. It's okay. I love him. Okay. Guys. Okay. Hey, we're here on episode five. That was really cute. I liked that. Do it Thank again. You. I don't think I can. Oh. I might butcher it if oh, I try okay. it again. I like I thought I like the the uh, tone of voice was like really ch- chipper. You were oh, chipper. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I like the compliment. Okay. Uh okay, I gotta separate myself. I gotta separate myself. Okay. <laughs> And we're grounding. <laughs> and we're grounding. And tree and tree and tree. Just imagine your tree. Yes. Okay. Okay, guys. Welcome to episode five of Tandem Orgasms. So today, what we're going to talk about is the journey of the empath. So for those of you that don't know what an empath is, I think that's the best place for us to start. Empaths are people who are highly sensitive that feel other people's feelings. You might get a sense of how somebody's feeling. You might um, notice things about them that have not been said, right? So it's like this different way of communicating with your world. And in addition to being able to sense those things about other people, sense their feelings, sense sometimes their thoughts, sense things that are not being said, you can also take on their emotions as if they were your own. So you can see where this is something that can be, uh, it can be a really great gift because you can intuitively wait, work your way through your world and uh, sense things that, that maybe other people can't, which gives you more information to navigate your world. But it can also be something that can be really detrimental to your health if you're constantly trying to process someone else's emotions and not knowing where they come from. Right. And if you don't even know that you are an empath, so the first step would be identifying if this resonates with you at all. If you're not sure if you're an empath or not, or have never even heard this term, what this may look like is you may feel very anxious or think you have anxiety. You might feel depressed. Mm -hmm. You might feel like you need to crawl out of your own skin. You might just feel emotionally overwhelmed very often. And then we judge all of that. Right. And I want to add another thing to this. If you are somebody who has had that sense of being an empath from a young age, because different, this is, we, we say this is a spiritual gift, a spiritual ability. Okay. And in, in, 
this falls into that category where things like clairvoyance, clairaudience, all of the clairs, it is in that category, which means that it can turn on later in life, okay? As any spiritual ability can, it can be triggered and turned on. So if you happen to have been an empath in your younger years, you also might have developed coping mechanisms, which were so intense that you might be so disconnected from your own mm. feelings and feeling other people's, even though you're still taking it on. So you might feel anxious. You might feel, um, you know, the stress of other people's emotions. You might um, want to crawl out of your skin. You might be all of those things, but you could be the exact opposite of that. So I do want to mention that before we even get too far into it, that it can actually be you are so disconnected from your emotions because you learned that in order to survive, okay, mm -hmm. that, that was what you had to do. And then you you still take on other people's emotions like a human filter, but you just don't have any awareness of it or you numb out completely. It's like feeling nothing, okay? So the first step is identifying if you are mm -hmm. an empath and becoming aware of it mm -hmm. and then becoming aware of when it's happening. Mm -hmm. Those are the first few steps yeah. that we really want you guys to begin to focus on. Mm -hmm. We want to bring you down uh, a path today of understanding what what it it might look like to be an empath and then giving you some tools uh, to be able to bring a level of empowerment into your, your, your life, right? So when you're processing a lot of your own intense emotions and then you're taking on intense emotions of someone else, this can very much feel like a disempowered situation where... I'm just feeling everything and I don't really know what to do with it. It's basically like someone took, is taking a bat and just hitting you over and over again. You just feel completely beaten down, worn out, feel like you have no fight left in you. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of emotion to try to process. Now, there are many different types of empaths. Right. And so I do want to mention this because when I, when I realized this, I think it changed things for me and my personal walk. Um, I've been an empath since I was very young, but I shut down my emotional empath. So your emotional empath is what many people would just call an empath, meaning I feel my emotions intensely, but I also feel other people's emotions mm -hmm. in, very intensely. And I will take them on as if they are my own. And I will try to process them as if they are my own. But because I was this way from a very young age and I shut it down and we'll talk about that in a second, I had other empath abilities that became very much stronger because they were, the, I, I let them happen, essentially. I had kind of coped for so long um, and shut down for so long the initial empath quality within me that like, but it, it had to go somewhere. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, there are many different types of empaths. Um, it's a really great thing. I won't go into too many today, but there are people who feel energy from the earth, meaning that um, they'll feel any shifts within the earth, any seismic shifts, any shifts within, um, you know, tides and these kind of things. That is me. Um, there are people who are intuitive uh, empaths. They will um, they will be able to sense other people's emotions, but they don't usually take them on. It's more of the inner knowing. So they will know how other people are feeling. They not, they won't necessarily absorb it as much. Um, they much, they much more feel their own emotions intensely and then could just sense what somebody else It's like maybe more telepathic if you want to think of it that way. Um, and then there are people who, 
can also sense things uh, within uh, locationally. So locational energy, which is, you know, a, that's another one of my empath abilities that came in stronger. Um, and this is somebody who it's like, like I first noticed it when I was in like high school and I was very into photography. So I, I brought my sister somewhere and I was taking pictures of her. I wanted to be a fashion photographer. So that's a side note for a different time, <laughs> but um, fun nonetheless. So I was taking pictures of her, this like abandoned warehouse. Right. And I got this feeling like something bad has happened here. I need to leave right now. It was that intense. And I was like, we got to go. Like we just got to go. And I knew that something was on that land, right? So this would be something some one of those empaths would um, experience. It's like, this doesn't feel weird. Something strange about this location. Or even sensing um, spots in uh, in the world where you feel in your best alignment. You're like, there's something about this place. Like every mm. time I go to Mexico, there's something about this place that like I am at my best. And it's like, if somebody had like, uh, you know, X marks the spot, like I can sense those places. I know where to go. Right. So there's many different layers of empaths and there's and there's an animal empaths is another one. Right. They feel what animals can, mm -hmm. you know, they, they can't talk to them. Uh, this is not a Dr. Doolittle situation, <laughs> but they can sense these things. So there's so, so many levels of being an empath. So if you have if you hear, you know, about the emotional empath and you say, yeah, that's uh, that doesn't really feel like me. It's not to say that you're not an empath. And I think there is a. Um, a level of sensitivity that everyone does have. It's not just isolated to this small group of people. It's what on the spectrum is a level of sensitivity that makes somebody consider themselves an empath. It's just a higher level of sensitivity than someone else might experience. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to mention that before we get into, you know, going more into the emotional empath type, because that's what we're going to talk about mostly today, that even if you hear this and you say, um, you know, that doesn't really seem like me, there's a potential one that you might have shut it down or two that you might actually have other abilities that that do uh, that are empath abilities that that now you hopefully have some awareness of. OK, yeah. And you don't know what you don't know. So for I'll give my example of my nature bike ride the other mm. day. That was so great. It's so beautiful. I was riding my bike down. I was on vacation. So I was riding I, my bike through this beautiful trail, trails, multiple trails. And there was just all these trees, willow trees, palm trees, all these different types of trees. There was a lake. There was just nature, you know, stuff out in the water. It was just so many different beautiful things going on. Mm. And I started feeling something. And I do get this way in nature, like you were just saying about Mexico. Mm -hmm. There's certain places I go that I just get emotionally, I don't know, overwhelmed sometimes, or I just start feeling emotions very intensely. And it's not something, I never understood why. I just mm -hmm. knew that I would feel that way in nature, but I have a better understanding of it now. And it's funny how, how like we'll say to ourselves like this is like you're not gonna tell you're not gonna like want to go tell somebody like hey the other day I like came well we are we are right now yeah. but you know it's just, like you would feel like this would be an abnormal thing to not like you wouldn't go in the and past say I would have judged it you would have judged it and or you I wouldn't have acknowledged it I would have just ignored it yeah because I thought it was weird or like why are you feeling this way it, because you're going on a bike ride like I would have judged the whole situation but instead I gave myself permission 
to just feel whatever it was. And I honestly can't even tell you exactly what the feeling was. It was just, like it a- just was something. And I just like gave myself that moment. I got off the bike. I let myself sit in nature for a few minutes and just be with what I was feeling. Yeah. And be in tune with it. Yeah. And so like even experiences like that could be something that an empath might experience. But mm-hmm. it, it, it I, what I think is a very common thread with empaths is that um, th- that level of sensitivity that we feel is often shut down. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you f- might think to yourself, oh, that's weird. I'm not going to share that with somebody because somebody would think that's pretty strange. Right. And and I think that's a really common thread. I think empaths are are generally um there's different levels of feeling like well well, is this normal you know like that so for for my personal experience I'll go into my story a little bit um I when I was very very young I always could I remember like and I remember so so young Mm. even like from my very first memories I remember like, and it's funny to know now, right? Like I didn't know this then, but I remember even my first experiences were, were experiences of feeling, um, alone because I felt like other, other things, other people's things. Right. So I remember my first memory from my first memory, which was me in preschool. I remember that I was so overwhelmed by emotions that were, from other kids or maybe it was the teachers i don't know what it was i think it might have been the location in which i was actually too um that i remember sitting under a tree by myself at 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 lunch just alone and trying to shut out right from like that's my first memory that i remember Mm. all in all right so I was an empath for, from a very young age. I could sense things. I remember knowing things that were going on within like the household or within my family that nobody had to say to me. I could mm-hmm. feel the sadness of, of experiences like my parents were going through or um, other people were going through. And I would, and I remember very, most of my earliest memories were me sitting in my room alone trying to process because I could, I actually knew what was going on in an, like, without anybody ever saying anything to me, I knew what people were going through. And it was so painful for me that eventually I had to shut it off because um, I was isolating completely at, at a very, very young age. I didn't even know how to manage it. I remember talking to my stuffed pig a lot, <laughs> but unfortunately she didn't know energy management. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you, Piggy, but, but no, thank but, you. <laughs> it was like very well could have been a guy that was trying she to help She held me. space for you. She though. did hold space for me. And I, I just remember spending a lot of time isolating, crying, trying mm-hmm. to get these emotions out, not knowing how to manage it. Um, and just knowing things that like, I shouldn't know. Mm-hmm. Right. And that it was a very overwhelming thing to me. And, um, and specifically, I think kids, I think there is, there, it, you know, somebody else, maybe, maybe somebody who knows about this can comment, but p- kids have an empathic ability, especially with their parents at a young age, right? They can sense what mommy's feeling. They can sense what daddy's feeling. They can sense the dynamics between their parents, right? And so, you know, these kind of things, a kid tries to absorb and process and they don't know, they don't know what to do with it. And so... For me, I learned, let's just not do this, right? And so I kind of shut it off. That was my way of 
dealing with it. Now, Mm -hmm. fast forward to even up until the point of me having years into my spiritual business where I would, I actually have taught many, um, uh, many group programs that were on developing your spiritual abilities, teaching people what their spiritual abilities are, teaching people how to use them, teaching people how to navigate them. And empath is one of the spiritual abilities. And I would say to my students, you know, like, I can, I can help you guys with exercises. I can pair you up with people so that you can work on this so that you can, like, I would give them exercises. I could facilitate, facilitate those things. But I would say like, Hey, this is an ability. This isn't an ability I have. That's how disconnected that I was from it. Cause I shut it off that hard. Right. And then it kind of came flooding back at a certain said, point. I'm going to find you. You can run. Oh, you it, can't hide. It sure did. And I was like, oh, I've been crying all summer. How is this happening? But that's what, that's literally what happened. So, you know, I just wanted to share that with you guys because I think it's really important to, um, to also see the other side of what this can look like is in the mass amount of sensitivity that can actually bring you to a point of, I cannot manage this. I need to shut it down. And what happens when that comes back around? I had a similar situation, uh, I want to say it was about a year ago. Yeah, it's about a year ago. And I just remember feeling all these different emotions. And so I was navigating a few different changes in my life. And then I also had some family situations going on. And so it was the beginning of COVID. So that caused, you know, different rifts between family members. Then I was trying to process through and make my own changes in my life. And so there was just like all this stuff at once and I didn't know how to process it. I just want trifecta. Definitely. That's a good word. And that's that's how mine came back through. So, and I, and I ended up like what you were saying, like distancing myself and isolating from everyone. Mm -hmm. And I just so badly wanted to just shut it off, but it kept finding me no matter how far I tried to run from it, it kept finding me. And I finally, just through all my journaling and stuff, it came to me that, you know, I am an empath. And that is why I'm feeling all of this because I'm one feeling my own stuff and feeling the energy from the world, but also I'm feeling all the emotions from my family members. Mm -hmm. And that is when I had to, when I just became completely exhausted, I just didn't know what else to do. Shut off. I shut off. And then I knew that wasn't healthy. And so I just was so overwhelmed. I didn't know whether to go left, right, up, down. I just felt completely paralyzed. Mm -hmm. And so I said to myself, what do you need to do here? Okay, I need to set some boundaries. Mm -hmm. I need to set boundaries with myself and to protect myself, but also with other people. But I always was fearful of other people's response to my boundaries. And it's a very common thing for empaths to always gauge what will other people think? Exactly. What will other people feel? And they will compromise their own emotions Mm -hmm. and their own boundaries to save 100% of the time. Yeah. Anybody and else. I didn't want, I'd rather suffer in pain than yeah. hurt other people or have people mad at me. Yeah. And I knew that, you know, my family wouldn't, there was a few different situations, but I knew in each situation that they wouldn't understand yes. why I was setting these Even boundaries. Even if you had explained it. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And so that, that brings us to a, a really powerful part of, of an empath's experience, which is that most empaths we take on this role of the fixer, 
right? And so our value, we very much will will put our own value on this, is how how can I be the fixer? And so they will find many times in their family, they are the glue that holds everyone together. They are the person who even if it's not their battle, will be the person that will interject themselves into mm-hmm. the situation in order to fix it in a very delicate way. Because yet, while they're doing this, they're considering everybody's feelings, except for usually their own, right? And so this is a very, very common thread between all across the board empaths is this very deep rooted feeling and need to be a fixer, to fix mom, to fix dad, to fix the family, to keep everyone together, to save the earth. It's right. It's all, all different empaths feel this in a different way to uh, make sure that the collective, i.e. the world is going to be right. These are people who take on causes too, because they're like, I got to fix it. I got to fix it. I got to save the earth. I got to save my family. I got to save the people Mm -hmm. I got to save. Right. And so the, the issue with this, where it can be very powerful and help you with your purpose, is that when your energy is not managed, you will continually come to a place where you will have to isolate and have to shut off. And it will take away from your progress and your ability to actually serve those purposes because you're shutting down and shutting off, like you said, isolating and just turning the button off, right? That's your way of saying, I've reached my max capacity of processing. I've tried to fix so much that now I can't even save myself and I need to empty my cup. So the empath will often come back to this place of needing to shut off completely, to empty their cup so that they can once again start again, right? And so traction becomes a really hard thing for an empath to to, to actually have when the the energy management is not taken care of really on the forefront, which means that you have to have a routine that works for you individually to protect your energy and to have a mindfulness level around the fact that you have such a drive to fix that you will compromise almost everything in your life to do it, right? And so like you said, you had to learn how to set boundaries. You have to learn how to set boundaries for yourself because otherwise you will compromise You'll compromise, you will You will compromise, you will try to fix, you will try to help, you will try to heal, you will try to save. You'll try to save everyone and you'll chuck yourself under the damn bus. You're like, well, I actually, there's been multiple times in my life where I've actually said that to people like, oh, oh, you need a fall person? Like, oh, just say it was me. That's how it, deep ingrained mm-hmm. it is. Like, I was like, oh yeah, chuck me under the bus, dude. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> just, just shove me right under there. I'll go willingly. I will... I will jump in front of the bus <laughs> for you, for you, <laughs> you know, but I, I wanted to talk about this one exercise. I remember when I was at this place last fall and I just couldn't, like I said, go left, right up, down. I didn't know where to go. So what did I do? I couldn't physically talk about it anymore because it kept re-triggering all the emotions. Mm-hmm. So I signed up for a coaching session with a person who does a lot of freestyle dancing mm, and she's mm. very spiritual. So like a lot of yes. her prompts are through movement and then through the movement, a lot of things came up that we were able to discuss. Mm. And I remember her saying, like, I can't remember exactly how she said it, but she had, we were talking about like loyalty and betrayal to our family. Mm. And so Ooh, that's powerful. It was so powerful. 
And I remember saying, like, I can't set these boundaries or it feels wrong to set these boundaries because I've always been loyal to these people. And there was, like, one specific person. And she had me, like, close my eyes and say two different statements. And one was, I'm ready to venture off and do my own thing, knowing that I can always come back to my family. And then there was, like, this other statement she had me say is, I'm going to remain here even though it's risking my happiness. And now, however, she said it was way more powerful than probably I'm saying it. But she had me say those two different statements. And I just like, I couldn't even say the second one. It felt so wrong coming out of my mouth. Because you you knew. That it you, gave me this feeling inside like, oh. Because you were compromising your truth. Yes. And that's what it allowed me to tap and into. And our soul knows that. And that's like a, a, a feeling of like, almost like, Oh, like you want to puke. Yes. Yeah. And I like couldn't even like get the, like she had me repeat what she was saying. Like I couldn't even get the words out. Like I, I like had to choke through it. And then I think I just started crying mm-hmm. and it was like, no, like in that moment I was like, okay, like I need to do this mm-hmm. because they're not sacrificing anything for me which is fine. I don't think anyone should sacrifice things for each other, Mm -hmm. but they're not sacrificing anything for me. So why am I continuing to sacrifice and do all these things for them and risk my own happiness, happiness and continue to suffer so they can be happy. Yeah. And often the empath will, will continually end up in a place of suffering. So this place of suffering, an empath might see that um, many of the many of the choices that they will make will eventually lead lead to suffering because they're not making it from an empowered place of their truth and their foundation and their their inner knowing. They're they're making it from a place of trying to keep the peace, trying to keep other people happy, trying to do the right thing, trying to trying to be that that role, right? That they they do so well as the fixer. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times choices are made from from this place where um it is self self-sacrificing. It's completely sacrificing. And so like what's the difference between a sacrifice and a compromise? And I think that's something that empaths mm. struggle with because they will say it's a compromise when really it's probably a sacrifice, right? Um, and I find this a lot with um, clients when it comes to their relationships, when they pick their partners. So the empath often will pick a partner who is not an empath. That's that's a very typical occurrence, although there are couples that are both empaths. But it's very common that an empath will end up with somebody who um, is is not an empath who is sometimes a narcissist who is sometimes an energy vampire somebody who is literally <laughs> I hate that term but it's what it's just what we say and you know it's just one of those spiritual terminologies um, but somebody that will will be taking energy from them and they're basically sacrificing the whole time so they will stay in relationships that are they should get out of years and years before they actually do because they will say well but this is a nice person or they will tell themselves these types of things right we have a history together or we have a history together or whatever the there's so 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 many excuses and here's the thing they will they will be 
sacrificing everything and then convincing themselves at the same time, but this person, I should stay with this person because. And if you look at the common thread across all these things, it's not any one thing that the empath wants or any one thing that the empath needs or any one thing that the empath would empower and, and from an empowered place choose. It's in defense of this other person, right? And so they will be in these relationships where they are trying to do the work for someone. They are trying mm -hmm. to do the spiritual work for someone. They're trying to make it work with this person. That person's probably not trying to make it work with them, right? That person's probably not wanting to do the spiritual work for themselves. That person is probably somebody who is also feels a ton of emotions, but is also a very insecure person. And they need the energy from the empath to just basically support their insecurities. And what's more so is the empath will also try to compromise more and sacrifice more to protect the other person's triggers. So they'll know how the other person in this relationship is triggered. And instead of that person working on their triggers, the empath will try to own it and they will compromise everything so that that person's not triggered instead of that person working on their own work. Mm -hmm. So everything in these types of relationships really is sacrifice. And this is relationships with a partner. And this is relationships with family members too, which can be very, very enabling and prevent someone else from doing their, their work, their walk, what, whatever it is that they came here to accomplish in their life cycle. Right. So I think of it as like sacrificing is when what you were just talking yeah. about every, you know, one person is always doing all the work or the one always pushing to make changes in the relationship or the person that's the only one making changes in the relationship. A compromise should be 50, 50 middle ground. Yeah. Like a give take, you should be giving to the relationship and taking from the relationship. And so should your partner, there should always be a 50, 50, give, take, and both of you should be willing to make those changes and hold space for one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I, these things, these are, these are things that I, like I said, I've seen this, I've seen this over and over and over. And, um, what I think is the best route for somebody who is in a situation like this, or somebody who is just, you know, finding themselves sacrificing all the time, these these empaths also tend to have, I uh, would say, low self-worth and low self-esteem. And I can say that about myself when I, before I realized, I was like, holy crap, I do not have a solid foundation here at all. And I don't have confidence to make the changes that I need to. So how can you actively build your confidence first so that you can start to mm -hmm. get to the point of making some choices that will make change to be healthier? How can you build confidence. And now circling back to setting boundaries, right? Setting boundaries is a way that you can start to build your self-confidence and your self-worth because you're starting micro steps to put yourself first. And boundaries are, and I I, I think it was, I want to say it was like Leonie Dawson or somebody. I, I had, um, had like taken a course and I remember her saying it was probably the masterclass or something. And, and it was like, when I heard this, I was like, oh, wow, I do not know how to set boundaries at all. Because the way that she said it was that you setting boundaries is, is so much so that there is a consequence for this person doing whatever they're going to do. If you do this, then this happens, right? So a boundary is not just saying, I'm not going to tolerate this. It's saying, what's the consequence? 
what what am I going to do? Even if the other person doesn't know, mm-hmm. right? Even if that's a boundary for you, if this person does this, this is the outcome mm-hmm. and you stick to your guns. That puts it in a different perspective because let's face it, if you've been compromising 24-7, you've been sacrificing 24-7 and you're with somebody who's not doing that, you're probably not going to, you're going to set a boundary and you're going to be like, oh, well, they, no, but they're going to defend them, right? You're going to defend mm-hmm. the other party. Well, so it has to have a consequence. And that means to build your confidence, you got to stick to it. I think it also begins with, you have to see your worth. Yeah. You have to see that you are worthy of having those boundaries and to and enforcing them and allowed to be who you are in that relationship. If you have someone that's telling you that you constantly need to change this or do this or do that, or you're not good enough and you buy into that, you're going to constantly be changing and morphing who you are and essentially like working against yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because that's not who you are down to your being, but you have this other person not accepting you. Therefore you can't accept yourself. Mm-hmm. And so you're constantly like in this battle with yourself, trying to change and be something else that this person wants you to be. But the reality is that is not who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think and you're never going to be good enough for whatever that those expectations are that that person has of you. And how many relationships end up in a place where this person's changed themselves from their center so far? And then the other person, same thing. And then they're like, whoa, whoa what has happened here, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Because then they've made themselves around, they've formed themselves around this other person and they're so far off of their center that at some point they realize, I want to find who I am. And then when they do, they're like, oh no, I've compromised or sacrificed more so, sacrificed all of these things that are who I am. And now I realize who I am and this doesn't work, mm-hmm. right? I think that's such a common occurrence too. Empaths and non-empaths. This is a, a, a very common occurrence in relationships. And I mean, I have to just throw it in there, but this is a societal situation because it's like, I think a lot of us were, were told or shown that, that this behavior was okay. Like, it's okay. It's okay. You get it. You get into a relationship and, and you you do what the other person wants of you. Well, and you, you stay be- because of love, because I love them, because I love mm-hmm. them, because I love them. Yeah. Well, love isn't always enough. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you will do things or make changes because you do want to make it work. But love is not enough to make a relationship last. Actionable steps is what makes a relationship last. Mm-hmm. Showing that other person that you care about them and that you want to make this relationship work, but both of you have to be doing that to make the relationship work. Mm -hmm. Um, Just that feeling of love is not going to fix the problems or like all the other things we just talked about. It's not going to resolve that. Wouldn't it be magical if that happened? It would be magical. Like if we had some fairy dust and we just like- like, Obviously this is is like our Disney situation. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, but really these are the kind of things, right? Like we get, it's ingrained in our society. Like you meet this person and you're mad, it's magical and you fall in love and that's enough. Mm -hmm. That's enough. Like that's, that's it, right? Like that- and it, the fact is, is that that's just not. It's not enough if you're compromising who you are, your values, your values emotions, all that yeah. to be with this person. Your partner should not be asking that of you. But many, but so often that's what happens. Yeah. And we're, then we're in a pickle. 
And we definitely are going to do a podcast on relationships or a series because I think it's really important. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to add that in there. So let's circle back. We want to give you guys some actionable uh, tools, things Mm -hmm. to work with. If you are an empath, if you do find yourself in that place of, I'm calling it the emotional domino effect, right? So somebody who is an empath, um, they have they have their own intense emotions around what they're experiencing. They could go just about anywhere and they will pick up some emotions, okay? And then, you know, on top of that, their emotions will piggyback and trigger other emotions very, very commonly. If you are have had any types of experiences that were traumatic, usually your emotions will domino effect to the next emotion. And it will be a, a kind of feeling of, you know, I was, I was triggered and now these emotions come out and those emotions will trigger this experience that happened. And that experience will trigger, oh my gosh, I don't even know where this emotion's coming from. It's just something. And and now I'm in a place you're in a place. Okay. So how do we get out of that place? Okay. What would you say to that? Like how, when you were in that place and you were, what was your first step other than setting boundaries? What did you, what did you need to do for yourself? A lot of it was just acknowledging that I was an empath. Mm -hmm. I was working with a spiritual coach that did a lot of um, visual meditation type Mm -hmm. of things with me. And then journaling. I just did so much journaling and writing about my emotions. Mm -hmm. And eventually it just kind of taught me that I can just acknowledge my feelings. I don't necessarily need to do anything with them, Mm -hmm. but I always have felt like I did. And that's why I reacted to my emotions. And I just learned that through the, like I said, through the journaling, I don't need to do that. Yeah. Like I can just be here with my journal, write it all out and I can leave it there. Yeah. Almost like a higher power. Yeah. Or God or whatever. Hands of, of something else that was higher than myself, that it wasn't serving me, but I needed to put it somewhere. And the journal was the place to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's amazing what happens when we just say, you know what, like, I don't know what this is. I think I said this in the last podcast, like, I don't even know what this feeling is, but I surrender, right? Like not even needing to define it. Because here's Mm -hmm. the thing, like that just keeps you in this mental place of like, why do I feel this way? And where did this come from? And I think that's what kept me stuck in it. It was like the judgment too. Judgment, what what am I feeling or questioning, I guess, what am I feeling? And then judging what the feeling is. Why can't I identify it? And I just started having all these thoughts it's a spiral. around it. It is a spiral. It's a real, it's an intense spiral. So, and I used to do this too. When I realized I was an empath, I used to go down the question of like, is this my emotion or is this not my emotion? And the fact is, is that that kept me again in that mental space of trying to define it that I would get so, and then I'd get frustrated at myself that I couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then that was a trigger for me. Right. Yes. And so learning, like, I must know, I must, I must know. know. Yeah. And, and I will say that guys, like if you are an empath, this, the past few years, what you might be feeling from the collective mm. as a whole has been very, very intense. So your likelihood of finding exactly that root of that feeling that you took on and are trying to process. Cause like we do, we like, this is my job. I must process this is very, very tough. So instead of saying, this is my job and I need to process this, 
let the emotion just work through you and then surrender, like give Mm -hmm. it up, surrender it. And having a process that you can go to on the forefront, like, I don't know if you want to call it a ritual, but I guess that's what I call it. I do a daily practice that is releasing that stuff. Mm. The, pretty much the moment I get get up, and I know I'll talk about my tree until, like, everybody hates me for talking about my tree. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I like my tree. Okay? But that's what I do. I go and I get grounded because when I'm grounded and I'm from a centered place, my emotions don't really have as much of an opportunity to knock me off my kilter. Mm. Right? And I say, okay, I surrender. I surrender. I don't even know what I'm surrendering half the time. I just feel it and I'm surrendering it. I'm letting it go. I don't need to define it. I don't need to do anything. Mm -hmm. And then I want to bring them back to this place of movement. Okay. So movement has been one of the most powerful things. It has been the thing that actually unlocked my emotional empath side that I had buried so deep because I started to move my body and then things would start to move through. But it's also been my most effective tool to manage and get those emotions out of my body. Because mm-hmm. my even when my brain gets to the place of saying, I want to define it, and I feel this, and now where did this feeling come from, and what does this mean about me? Because I'm going to internalize you do everything. You put a, blind, a blindfold on, and oh you dance God. it out. And that it, is what you do. And, and twerking. <laughs> twerking will save the world. <laughs> but for real, like, honestly, just move your body, like, some way, some like go outside, move in an organic way that just, you know, it could be, there's so many different ways to move your body or to prompt yourself, but like put on a blindfold and just move or look at something outside and just watch it and move. Right. There's so many different ways. Just go to a yoga class. You can go to, if you feel uncomfortable moving your body in an organic way or just going with a moment, which can be very difficult for mm. years and years that well, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it. And I, I think it was because my body was fighting it. I didn't, I was like, I'm not ready to release my shit. I got, mm. I, I know what I'm doing with it. And I've buried it sufficiently in my island folders, <laughs> filing cabinets, <laughs> my folders, on my, and it had tabs on it and the whole thing. But for, for a while, I needed the structure of a mm-hmm. yoga class, but it still helped me process. Mm-hmm. So if you can't move yourself organically to, to, to do that releasing process, you can try starting there and then micro step to just, or honestly, find a song that you just really fucking love that you're like, this makes me feel something. And then just try just like, be alone in a room, mm-hmm. you know, because music, I think, activates something within us. Too. I think that twerking will save the world. I do. I'm still stuck on this thought because you have to learn to embrace the jiggle and let go. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's true, though. Like, you can't control I mean, it. I know it's true. <laughs> and when you're an empath, you're trying to control yeah. certain outcomes or control your emotions. And so, Twerk it out because it will teach you to just release and let it be. Stop trying to put a lid on it. Yeah. Just let, let, just let, let everything flow and be yeah. free. Let thy cup overflow. What? <laughs> let thy cup overflow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just let it happen, guys. Just move your body. It's just, these are micro steps. Again, like these are small, small steps to take, but that confidence that, that you're trying to get to, that, that level of self-worth you've probably gotten to the place where you're so far separated from that place. Mm -hmm. Take those small steps, move your body, try to get it out, try to be more in tune with, with that releasing process, Mm -hmm. go surrender, surrender, even the things that you don't know, create something that's actionable that you're doing regularly for your maintenance of your energy. Like things are really contingent Mm -hmm. upon that. 
it's I can't even tell you how much difference I notice from the from the days that I I'll I go out and I'm regular and I'm doing those things. Mm-hmm. I'm doing my my practice, my ritual, and I get grounded and centered and I release. And then the days when I don't. It's night and day. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how critical I find that tool in my life. So if it's every day, if it's every two days, whatever you, you decide for yourself, but your integrity to that practice of managing your emotions is everything that will change things for you. You will find your confidence through taking, committing. That's commitment. Commit to yourself. Mm-hmm. See how that builds confidence mm-hmm. for you because it will. So listen, we're trying so hard to keep this to 30 minutes, but we're awful because we like talking and we're super passionate about what we are talking about. We get really into it (laughs) if you haven't noticed that. So we are trying super hard to cut down on our time, but we are still practicing at it. (laughs) I was going to say failing, but no, we are practicing (laughs) at it. Um, So we appreciate all the love. That's all the time we have for today. Yes. If you like the podcast, screenshot it, share it on your Instagram, on Facebook, share it with all your friends and family. We'd appreciate the love. And if you have a topic for us, comment on one of our Instagram posts. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes. Don't forget to follow us at Jen underscore Morgan and Caitlin dot Englert dot coaching for updates. If you love this episode, take a screenshot and share to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Until next time, have fun and don't forget to pleasure yourself.